0: Naming a new business or product can be challenging, but there's often one overlooked step that can put your business into a serious identity crisis. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business M O LLC. Your new business, or new product, is your baby. It's your idea, you're proud of it, and because you're going to be living with it for a long while, you want to name it something you like. It's only natural. I'm here to help you do that, and to do it in a way that doesn't turn into an identity crisis down the road, because nobody's got time for that. Some of you may know me as the no-nonsense lawyer, and some of you don't know me at all, so let me start by telling you that I'm an Ivy League-trained business expert, an entrepreneur, and a recovering S&P 500 business lawyer. My mission is to help you access the business information you need to succeed and to sidestep the speed bumps and landmines hiding in plain view, because I'd much rather see you grow your business than to spend your hard-earned resources treading water, or worse yet, going down the drain. That's why today, I spend my time interviewing the fabulous guests you hear on Business Confidential Now, as well as providing leadership development to executives, managers, and entrepreneurs. I accomplish this through my public speaking, consulting, training, and coaching work at Business M.O. LLC, using the methods that I honed while teaching at two top-tier MBA programs in the United States, Duke's Fuqua School of Business and the University of Virginia's Darden School. But enough about me and why I'm qualified to talk about this subject. There's tons of information on the internet about the so-called rules for picking a business name, yet in practice I find time and again that the naming process is often an afterthought. It reminds me of the children's story of Goldilocks and the three bears. Goldilocks you might remember goes into the bears home and finds three bowls of porridge on the table. She tastes the first one. Oh, it's too hot, she says. The next one. Oh, too cold. But then she finds the third one, and it's just right. Ah, that's the sweet spot we all want to be. And the same goes for picking the ideal business or product name. But here's what usually happens. You want the name to be unique, hot enough to stand out from the crowd, but not so hot that it's easily misspelled or mispronounced. Because after all, You want people to be able to find you on the internet. If it's too hard to spell, they'll go someplace else or they'll land someplace else, and that's a lost business opportunity. But that can be easier said than done. You also want your name to be unforgettable, but not so detached from your business mission or vision that nobody knows what it is, what what you're doing. That would be too cold. An example of too cold would be like using initials. Sure, it works for IBM and 3M and UPS, but only after first having established their identity with fully spelled out words. United Parcel Service for UPS describes what they do. And with 3M, that name got shortened as a way to actually expand their product line beyond their original business plan. After all, you might not connect the dots between Post-It Notes and Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing which is what those three M's stood for. The point is they didn't start out that way. Initials by themselves are rarely descriptive unless it's a common abbreviation. And if it's that common, it compromises being unique. So there's a trade off. Now you might say I could use, you could use your personal name, but that could also be too cold and detached. You know, it's a popular choice in certain business sectors, accounting firms, law firms, consulting firms. It also worked for Walt Disney and Martha Stewart. The downside is that a person's name doesn't give you any information about what business they're in. To get that message out is going to require a good bit of marketing. Now, if that's in your budget, fine, terrific. If not, it's time to rethink your name choice. Another drawback of naming your business or product after yourself is what happens when you then want to sell the business. Will there be enough of an independent structure to survive and thrive after your departure? Or are you personally the jet fuel that keeps it all going? And related to that is whether your name has become a brand unto itself the way Disney and Martha Stewart and even Trump has become. Buyers are more interested in a business with a brand value, so it's helpful to think long-term. After all, you're going into business or you're creating a product to be successful, not a failure. So think positive, but also think long-term. What about adding a geographical descriptor to your product or business name, the Great American Pizza or Central Park Deli? Some people like using geographical names, their region, their town, their state as part of a business or product name, and actually a lot of people do. But that's also why you're going to see those names bunched up in a directory. Do you want to follow the pack, be the middle of it, or the leader of the pack? Leave the geographical descriptors for your tagline. For example, available nationwide. Serving the West Coast or East of the Mississippi. I mean, you can can put it in there. It can be part of your collateral material without being part of your name or compromising, again, long-term thinking. Taglines are easy to change. Product names and business names, not so much because there's more stuff tied to them. Your logo, your website, all that marketing collateral. So think ahead. What happens when you want to expand beyond your geographical boundaries? And maybe even go international. Now, that creates another wrinkle. Here, it's important to make sure your name doesn't have a unique meaning in the country you want to do business in. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I worked for the U.S. subsidiary of a Japanese chemical company called Dynapon Inc. Chemicals, D-I-C. And they had a habit of naming their products starting with the prefix D-I-C. So the product wound up being pronounced, for example, Dick 287, or whatever the number was. Now, okay, the U.S. sales and marketing team tried to persuade headquarters a bunch of times and tried to explain why this really wasn't appropriate for the U.S. market, but it fell on deaf ears. Now, in that case, being culturally tone deaf was embarrassing, but in some countries, the wrong name could get your product banned. All right, so you got to think ahead. Now, what if you decided to make up some word? After all, it worked for Kodak. Kodak meant nothing before that company attached film to it. Or what if you mash up two words, like Qualis something or something Tron? Sounds like an arranged marriage, right? Nobody's happy, but over time your ear gets used to it? Yes, naming the baby is tough. And the name has to make sense because if it's too cutesy, it can turn off potential customers. Five napkin burgers actually is pretty good. You picture a juicy burger dripping with delicious toppings, flavor, juices, But how about a business named A Flush Beats the Full House? Is it a misguided private poker club or a plumber? Think about it. There are trade-offs, and that's okay. You do what you're comfortable with. And if you're stuck coming up with names, believe it or not, there are name generators that can do it for you. And I've listed a few of those. They're online. You can find them under the resource section of this episode page here on businessconfidentialradio.com. Now what's not okay is when you fall in love with your name and you stop your analysis there. Nothing creates a bigger identity crisis for your business or product than discovering someone else is using the same name for the same product or service. That's why before you nail down your website URL, design your logo, your letterhead, your marketing collateral, and make that investment, it pays to check to make sure No one else is using it the way you intend to use it. From a practical business perspective, that's smart because it avoids confusion and saves money rebranding. From a legal perspective, it's smart because you can avoid a trademark infringement suit, which can get very expensive. Some of you might be saying, Gee, I checked with the Secretary of State's office in the state where I live, and the name I want is available. Isn't that good enough? The answer, no. The Secretary of State's office has jurisdiction over the availability of business names in the state. The Federal Patent and Trademark Office is different. Those are two unrelated databases and unrelated government entities. Let me give you an example of how something like that went south. And this is from a news article that appeared recently in my local newspaper. It involved a local entrepreneur who created a startup seven years ago making pasta sauce based on his grandmother's recipe. Yes, the sauce was a hit. It was a premium product sold in several regional and national markets in the Southeast. And last year, Southern Living Magazine named their Pomodoro sauce the best tomato sauce. That's a great honor. Unfortunately, the entrepreneur named the business and the sauce Nello's because Nello was his nickname for more than 20 years. It's who he was, it was very personal, and he felt strongly about it. It's uh, my sauce, right? Okay, now at the time he started his business, he did know he wasn't the only one using that name. There was an upscale celebrity hangout restaurant in New York, but that, that was far away, and a pizzeria in Arizona, and that's far away too. What he didn't know, is that the New York restaurant got a federally registered trademark for Nello's that included intentions of marketing its tomato sauce. Next thing you know, the Nello's entrepreneur is getting a cease and desist letter from the celebrity hangout restaurant's lawyers. Now, I don't know about you, but most people get a huge sinking feeling if they're not used to seeing one of those threatening letters. And even if you're as used to it as you can be, When it's your personal name on the line that's being threatened and attacked like this, it's totally gut-wrenching. You feel like you've been hit by a freight train in the gut. All right, so he recovers, he looks at his options, and he quickly discovers that trying to fight the restaurant in court would be a financial drain that could destroy his business. So he did the next best thing. He negotiated a good settlement. He changed the name from Nello's to Nellino's, and was allowed to mention it on the product label. In other words, it said Nellino's, formally Nello's, and that allowed for a smooth transition to retain the goodwill of his customers and retail buyers. He was also allowed to sell through his existing inventory of Nello's labeled product. Now, you might be saying, well, look, this is just a big misunderstanding. That's only fair. But if I put my lawyer's hat on for a second, I can assure you that that was a sweet deal. Because as a trademark holder, the restaurant had a legal right to demand that all infringing product be destroyed. Yeah, destroyed. What a disaster that would have been. Removing the product from retail shelves and the warehouse inventory pipeline without an immediate replacement would have been a huge cash flow crunch. and possibly led to lost customers altogether because retail shelf space is highly competitive and when you take out inventory without immediately replacing it it could mean a competitor's product takes your place because the store is not going to leave the shelf empty and once somebody else is in there you're going to have to fight to get your space back. That's the power of a trademark holder. A trademark gives you an exclusive right to the name for the class of goods or services you registered for It's a mini-monopoly, one with legal teeth, and that makes it an extremely powerful marketing tool. It helps you maintain your name's distinctiveness, and it lets you shut down competitors whose products try to ride your brand coattails, a brand you spent a lot of money, blood, sweat, and tears to build. And that's why before you get too wedded to any particular business or product name, it pays to do a trademark search. Because it saves you time and money in the long run and most of all you'll be able to maintain your momentum as your business scales and not have to take time and money out to fight an expensive lawsuit or rebrand your product like Nello's did. So that should be the final step in making sure your business or product name is not too hot, not too cold, but just right. And as an added bonus, When you grow more confident about your new business or new products' success and sustainability, you too might want to investigate and invest in your own trademark protection to help keep your competitors at bay and facilitate your growth curve. You've been listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you found this episode to be helpful, please leave a comment and share it with a friend thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then.